Welcome to episode 26 of the Endurance Asia podcast. I'm your host Scott Pugh and this week Rick and I are joined by none other than Will Haywood, the Kiwi residing in Hong Kong, uh, famous for his um, exploits in the Backyard Ultras out in uh, in Biggs on Lazarus Lake's backyard, as well as the uh, the Hong Kong Big Boars. Amongst many other ultras, including being a survivor of the four trails, and uh, Rick and I caught up with Will uh, a couple of weeks ago, soon after his uh, his quarantine backyard that he did out of his uh, his front room in in Hong Kong. So uh, we chat a bit about Will's uh, how he got into ultra running, a bit about the uh, the backyard ultras, and uh, and a general chit chat about the scene. Absolute legend, top top bloke. Um, and it's uh, yeah, really interesting to to find out a bit more about his philosophy and thoughts around uh, around backyard ultras that are, are taking storm in the in the world today. Um, Rick and I catch up after the podcast as well, just to uh, just an update what's going on out there at the moment. Not much. We're all bloody under lockdown still. Uh, apart from you guys in Hong Kong, we're we're very jealous down here in Singapore and across the rest of uh, rest of Asia. Um, and look forward to the time that we can uh, we can be fully out in the trails and travelling around and uh, taking on races. Hopefully sooner rather than later. So uh, with that, let's hand over to Mr. Will Hayward. Tell the truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. Hey, Mr. Will Hayward. Welcome to the Endurance Asia podcast, sir. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Rick. Uh, big fan of the podcast, so look very happy to be here. Oh, man, I'm glad we've um, we've got you on finally. Um, you've become a bit of a uh, podcast um, celebrity over the over the past year. In fact, actually, I was literally just listening to um, to Ian Corliss's um, uh, podcast, Talk Ultra, um, this afternoon. Um, and uh, and yeah, you get you get a few shout outs. I don't know if you've uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've listened to, to that one. Just talking about the um, with, with Mike Wardian. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah, mate. Awesome, uh, awesome to get you on um, to join Rick and I. We normally do these. We love to do the podcast in person. Uh, we often find that, like, for audio perspective, and also just like we like to be able to share a room and high fives with our guests. But, um, but yeah, we're in pretty strange times now, right? No, no high fives these days. No high fives. Will high fives ever come back? In fact, Rick and I were just discussing that yesterday. Actually, we we're just like, will people be like? standing watching races and like and, and yeah and throwing high fives and at the finish lines anymore would that would that still be there when this all blows over uh, but yeah mate great to have you on and you've had a, a pretty crazy year and uh, and just a couple of weeks ago you were like one of the uh, one of the apac representation at the uh, the quarantine backyard ultra and yeah plenty of us to, to get into but for for those that, that haven't um heard of um, of legend that is will haywood before i don't know if you want to give yourself a like a, a quick background and a yeah, get a bit of a, a personal and a, a background, professional background. Sure, sure. Um, 
can be a pretty pretty quick background. I mean, I'm from New Zealand originally. Uh, grew up there. Grew up in the beautiful city of Christchurch, which is in the South Island. And so it's a pretty good place to be a kid. Lots of, you know, running around, going up into the mountains, that sort of thing. Um, and then started traveling the world. Uh, been kind of traveling the world back to NZ a little bit. But for most of the last 20 years, been in Hong Kong. Uh, professionally, I teach at universities. And currently, I'm the Dean of Social Sciences at the University of Hong Kong. So that's a pretty interesting job. Um, but meanwhile, yeah, kind of along the way, uh, I've always kind of run uh, on and off. Uh, in my 20s and 30s, I played a lot of football, as in soccer and uh, basketball. And then as, you know, as the, that maybe felt like wasn't the best thing to do as I went, got into my 40s uh, and beyond, um, kind of transitioned into running, you know, and started off running shorter distances and then somehow just going to keep going. So you're another one that actually only started, you know, it was, you're in your 40s before you started running properly. I mean, probably, I guess, kind of mid-30s, I was running pretty regularly, doing kind of uh, half marathons, did the Hong Kong Marathon a couple of times. Um, it was kind of before the big, you know, resurgence of, of trail running. Um, yeah. And so just kind of, slow, it was quite a slow build. So I ran my first ultra uh, in New Zealand uh, 2010, the Kepler Challenge, which is a really iconic New Zealand race. Um, and that was 60Ks. That seemed at the time like it was an incredibly long way. I uh, wasn't quite sure what I'd bitten off, but uh, yeah, did that and then kind of got the bug. And that was about the time that the whole ultra scene took off. And so all of a sudden, back in Hong Kong, there's like, you know, suddenly from, from ha there having just been trail walker was something 100Ks you know, all of a sudden within a couple of years, like every weekend, there was an ultra that you could do. So, uh, so I, I kind of got the bug that way. What, what year did you move to Hong Kong? Uh, originally in 99. Got you. And you were there till, uh, when, and then when did you, you went and did a stint back in New Zealand or did you go to Australia? Yeah, so I went back uh, end of 2013 and had three, three and a half years in New Zealand. Ah, oh, got you. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it was around sort of 2000 was it 2010 that HK100 started or was it, yeah, it might be right. 2011 around that yeah, sort of yeah, time yeah. that, that yeah. it all started to, all started to kick off. Um, so what, like, what was the kind of, uh, the 60K in, uh, in New Zealand, what was the, the first sort of like 100K you did or, uh, or beyond? What was, what was the first big race? So actually the first 100K that I did, I guess was CCC. I had some friends that had got into, we, we did the Kepler together and then, they knew about UTMB. I, I had no idea what this thing was, but uh, the, yeah, these couple of mates convinced me that we should all put in for CCC together. So I did CCC 2012. Uh, I was kind of more of a tourist, really, than a runner. We, I ran with them. They're a little bit slower than me, but we kind of ran together to the first uh, checkpoint. Uh, and then I thought, oh, I'll just go and take off, you know, go a little bit faster, you know, the rest of the way. But discovered I was kind of position number like 1,700. <laughs> <laughs> that time so literally spent the next like 12 hours just saying excuse me excuse me as i tried to get past people but uh, <laughs> yeah but it was a great you know great experience to run your first 100k you know around uh, mont blanc yeah don't mention triple c to to rick he's supposed to be uh, he's supposed to be out there this summer but um oh yeah uh, they haven't fully announced it yet though have they but it's pretty um hard pretty see. short hard to see it going ahead can't 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 see it happening no um yeah and i suppose that sort of like leads into Mate, it's crazy times right now. Although you being up in Hong Kong, you've still got the uh, the liberty to go and like train at will. I like watching Strava right now is seriously frustrating. Seeing all you Hong Kong people absolutely smashing out the runs. 
I just saw like Henry, Henry Loken, and um, I just saw yeah. over the past weekend, he just did a, uh, the Hong Kong four trail equivalent on, on his own, in, but in four yeah. consecutive days, though, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. We're getting, we're getting FOMO down here in Singapore, although we, we still, uh, we're still allowed out and about, but it's definitely a much more restrictive. And, and so how, how has it been out in Hong Kong? I mean, you've, um, have you still been taking, uh, taking full advantage of being able to hit the trails at the moment? A little bit. I mean, I've noticed uh, as time's gone on and as the number of cases here was spiking, I've started to try and stay closer to home, you know, try to stay off public transport, just try to, you know, limit, you know, uh, contact with, you know, with other people. So, uh, so was, I've been doing more runs around my home on, I mean, I live on Hong Kong Island, so there's still plenty of, plenty of choice here, um, but haven't been out to the new territories quite so much. Um, but actually for me, the timing, I mean, it's never, it's never good timing, but I'd always kind of planned on, uh after four trails which obviously i started and got halfway through and then uh, you joined us and uh, we we managed to finish it off a few weeks later um after four trails i was always going to take a bit of a break because i'd been training pretty systematically for about a year and a half and i just thought you know for the body and the mind and the family and everything uh you know it's quite good not to you know be kind of going full tilt the whole time so yes yeah, so i was always planning to take a bit of a break uh until the summer so uh so i've actually felt okay about i haven't been really cranking out uh major distances except for jumping into the quarantine backyard um apart from that my mileage has been really down and i've just been you know taking it pretty easy uh, getting into some strength and conditioning doing all the things that you know i'm supposed to have been doing for a while um so yeah so I, I haven't been really heading out to you know doing 50k saturdays or anything yeah that, that makes sense and in fact like that that leads us into the past year for you, which has been crazy. It's almost like the anniversary of the um, Big Boar's Backyard in Hong Kong, right? Was that like it's April correct. or May last? What, what, what was yeah, it was like? Easter. It was Easter. It was over Easter weekend. There you go. Um, and so the, the um, Steve Carr race base um, put on the, uh, the first, that must have been actually the first Asian um, uh, uh, backyard ultra or be, uh, um, was it the first I think Asian one? Probably right. Possibly one in Australia before then. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, probably. And yeah, you uh, you signed up in uh, in Hong Kong with a, another sort of like, it was about twenty odd uh, twenty odd people. Or like 20, I think we ended 30. up only about fifteen starters at, 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 in the end. It was, it was a very right? select group. Yeah, and it was also obviously like a a golden ticket to um to the bigs um world champs in uh, I say world champs but in, in in Lazzie's backyard but um but yeah so it's a year ago then that you did a, and you 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 had a you obviously like won that um that that race and uh yeah what how many laps was it you did you guys did in um, in Hong Kong uh I ended up doing 25 laps to win it and uh Alfair uh Lee who's a really great 24 hour runner uh, he and I did uh, quite a few laps together, and then he decided he was going to call it quits at 24. So then, according to the format, to win it, I have to do one more than uh, the person that you know that drops out. So, yeah. weren't you both trying to convince the other one just to like, no, you go, no, you go? Wasn't yeah, it like a... we we both basically had the same plan. Um, so in the backyard format, um, which uh, some of your uh, listeners may not be you know fully uh, up to date with, but um, basically you're running. Uh, about 6.7 k's every hour so uh, on the hour you start you run your 6.7 k's you know if you're reasonably fit that's not too hard so you finish maybe 40 45 50 minutes you then have a break and then on the next hour you do the same thing again and it's a last person standing race so the idea is that uh, the race keeps going until there's only one person left um, 
And so, uh, yeah, so we both had the idea that we both wanted to get to 24 hours. And the nice thing about 24 hours is if you get there, that's 160 Ks or 100 miles. So it's always good to get a, get a miler under your belt. Um, so we both wanted to do the miler, but we were both feeling really crappy uh, you know, in the, in the kind of early morning. So we're both trying to convince the other one they should do one more and then win the race. Because if the last two runners finish at the same point, then everyone DNFs and there's no winner. And we're a bit concerned that if that happened, the race director, Steve Carr, might commit some act of self-harm because he'd been there. <laughs> and uh, to not have a you know, winner of the race would be a little bit, uh, you know, uh, down for him. So in the end, so we were trying to convince the other one, and in the end, Alfair was more convincing, and he convinced me that uh, I, I should go on do the, do the one more. So just, uh, just, um, uh, Will, just jump ahead. back a sec. Like, what you've done some of those big races, you've done CCC and so on, but obviously doing a challenge like that's pretty different. What made you think, or what, what drew you to that in the first place? Have you done anything like that before? No, I'd, I'd done nothing like that at all. I've never done like a track race or a loop race or a 24-hour race or anything. Um, but I had, uh, you know, I kind of followed the sport. Um, and so I had been aware of Laz's big, big backyard. Um, and I'd followed it for a couple of years. So uh, 2017 was when Guillaume Calmet and Harvey Lewis had this duel like for hours and hours on end. And uh, Guillaume ended up winning that in 59 hours. And I just thought the idea of like running for that long uh, seemed crazy. Like, how could you do that? Um, but at the same time, you know, when you hear about the format, you think you could run 6.7 Ks in one hour. And then I'm pretty sure I could do that, you know, the second hour. So it seems pretty easy, but then you figure at some point it must get, you know, pretty hard. So, so I was pretty captivated by that. And then the following year, uh, Johan Steen and Courtney Dowalter, um, you know, had a similar kind of duel that went even longer and Johan won in like 68 hours. Um, so I was pretty interested just to see that it just seemed like a very, very different kind of race. And also, you know, the last person standing format is just seems crazy. Um, so I'd always been kind of intrigued by what it would be like. And so when Steve Carr got the, uh, got the golden ticket, uh, I was a pretty easy, easy sell to, uh, to jump in, but I, I had no idea what it was going to be like. I, I kind of thought I might do five loops and just be completely bored. Um, but the nice thing about the backyard format is, if that happens, you just pack up and go home. Like, you know, uh, so it's really up to you. Do you do a couple loops? Do you do a day? Do you keep going? You know, uh, you get to decide how far you want to go. Well, I mean, you had, you had some previous in terms of doing like long, long ultras, right? You'd, you'd um, survived the four trails in, uh, in 72 hours. Was it the year prior or? Um, yeah, that was the yeah. previous year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so that, me, that had me been the first the furthest you'd gone before the um before that, right? Yeah. That was the one me and Abby got to the post box together. Yes, yeah, you were the it's, slight lean on. Goes to, yeah, 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 bit of a lean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, did that go, did that give you the confidence to know actually, like knocking out a miler on on flat Bowen Road in Hong Kong is uh yeah is is kind of in the bag really. It's not going to be too tough. Uh, I wouldn't say I thought it was in the bag. I thought uh, I thought I was realistic to think about going 24 hours, um, but I really didn't know how it was going to feel. Um, and uh, and also I had no idea how long the race was going to go. And you know there were some other there were some pretty good uh, pretty talented runners in, in the bunch. So I was kind of assuming that 
the race would probably go maybe 36. And if I got to 24, that'd be great. I actually had um, the Hardcore 100 H1 uh, in the Philippines four weeks later. So I also was quite keen not to get into some duel that was going to like really kill me because I, I, did, I knew H1 was going to be extremely challenging. Um, but so I thought 24 hours would probably be, you know, a reasonable amount of time. And then got to the point where it seemed like, okay, well, actually that's going to be about, you know, what's going to win it. So, uh, so I was kind of as surprised as anybody else, really. And it, it, it got you the golden ticket. Um, did you think twice about, uh, about heading out to, um, to, to Laz's backyard or was it like, a, or straight away you were just like, yeah, I'm definitely, uh, definitely. Heading I mean, out it was there. the classic, uh, as I was probably loop like 22, 23, when, when Alfair and I were kind of having this conversation, I was thinking like, there is no way I want to do another one of these things that this hurts too bad. You know, I'm too sore. I feel too ill. So, so I'm not, doesn't matter what happens. I'm not, you know, going to Tennessee and then, you know, and then you win, you get the ticket and then, you know, have a sleep, wake up the next morning and um, started, you know, start thinking, well, you know, maybe it's worth a, worth an investigation. It's a classic, isn't it? Like as soon as you finish any race and the immediately you get to the finish line, you're like, nah, done. All I, all I can think of is beer and pizza or just like, or sleep. You wake up the next day and it's like, ah, what races are coming up next? What's isn't next in the calendar? Yeah. What's next? It's the it's a danger time, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and how, how long, so you had H1 straight, straight after that, which is like a tough miler. And Rick and I were talking, I've, I'd got a spot in for this year and Janelle's not uh, announced that it's been, um, has he announced yet whether it's going ahead or not? I mean, I thought he had announced that it was not going to go ahead, but I mean, it pretty much we can confirm, but that was, um, uh, that, so that came four weeks after and you'd, um, yeah. was, uh, how did it go? Oh, I mean, that's such a fabulous event. I mean, just, just absolutely fantastic, but, but incredibly brutal, just these climbs that just go on and on and on. And, you know, and it's also, it's, you know, it's the beauty, but also just the remoteness of the, you know, of the villages that you're going through. I mean, the people are incredible. Um, so yeah, fantastic event, but one of those events, you know, anything that's a hard rock qualifier, uh, I mean, I've, I've done a couple of them. They're just, yeah, at the end of it, you, you just know that you've been through something. So yeah, really like fantastic experience, but um, did definitely take like all the resources that I had. Uh, didn't you like, you, you finished top 10 in that as well, didn't you? I mean, it's... Um... I think like 13th, something like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, um, I've, I mean, because you've got the heat, you've got the really, um, really steep climbs and uh, long climbs and it's extremely remote, right? Up in... Um, and really uh, tight cutoffs yeah. too. So, so even though I came 13th out of, I think, 80 starters, I think there's about, about 50% finisher rate. So about 40 finished. Um, I, I, until like the last couple of hours I was checking the cutoffs because I wasn't that far from them you know it's like like really it's really tight so he really pushes you through yeah that's cool uh, maybe next year but then and then when was um when was the uh was Biggs last year what was yeah the, so the um, so H1 was May and then I had all summer and Biggs wasn't till October so uh, so it took about six weeks off and then got into it again kind of July and then had a really good training block kind of July through end of September and then just beautiful middle of the summer Hong Kong it training. was definitely hot um, so that was a bit challenging but in the end I think actually it worked really well like I was uh, I was definitely doing more like midweek I was doing more running like less hiking uh, you know more running kind of flattish because I just knew I was going to be doing a lot of running at, you know at Biggs but then on the weekends 
you know, on these hot, hot Hong Kong, you know, uh, weekend days, um, going out and doing a lot of hiking, you know, out in the new territories, climbing hills, yeah. but just getting myself really tired and then kind of pushing on, like, you know, not stopping after two hours when I felt like stopping, but, you know, keeping going for another two or three hours. And, and mentally, I felt like that, that was really good training. Got you. See, I, I would have thought so you weren't actually doing like 6.7K loops as training for it. You weren't. No, not really. I, I, did, I did one session a few weeks before I left uh, on a day I did like five loops. I, I tried to find a loop that was a bit similar to what his was going to be like. And I sat there for the afternoon and just tried it. But yeah, I mean, look, if you do that, it's going to drive you crazy. Um, yeah. you, you're going to drive yourself crazy enough at the event as it is. So uh, I don't think you need to do a lot of training exactly like that, especially if, you, if you've done an event or two, you kind of get the hang of it. Um, it's more just, you know, you, you, you're going to have to push your body. Your body's going to get to a point and you just need to push it further. And so, you know, just uh, strength and conditioning. Like I felt like climbing the hills was actually quite good because it did give some strength to my legs so that when they got tired later on, they could keep going. Um, the other thing too was, you know, Tennessee in October can be a bit warm. And uh, on the second day, uh, especially a lot of the European runners were really wilting. And I, to be honest, I didn't even notice that it was warm. Like it was maybe, I don't know, 24, 25. I was having a great time. and But all the Swedes were like, yeah, passing out. <laughs> so, well, so, they, they do say training in heat and humidity can be as good as training at altitude, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um and yeah, and so like, how did it, how did it go at Bigs then? Um, what, what's your like now? You reflect back on it, um, being sort of uh, yeah nine months ago. What's your what's your reflections? Yeah, I mean the crazy thing was just how I just completely overperformed my own expectations. You know, most I mean I, I'm a pretty you know average runner, I'm faster than some, I'm slower than a lot. Um, when I go into a race, I'm I'm normally not expecting to win, but I'm you know, I'll see the people that are around my level and have a bit of a race, you know, with them. So when I go to an event, uh, I'm really not thinking about getting the, you know, on the podium or anything like that. So then, but I'd never really done, I'd obviously won bigs, uh, sorry, won uh, big bore. Um, so I didn't really know how far I could go. Um, but I knew that the people that win this event do like maybe 60 hours. So I figured if I could do like 36 to 40, like that would be pretty amazing. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, so I ended up going 59, um, being the last person to drop out. Uh, and then Maggie Gurrell was the, uh, the last person standing. Um, and so both the amount of time I went, 59 hours, and the fact that out of a field of 72, and there were some fantastic runners there, to, uh, to actually watch them all drop off the side and I'm still going, still kind of, you know, stiffly, uh, you know, chugging around the course. Uh, yeah, it was, you know, it was, was, was great, great confidence booster. Uh, great way to kind of reset, you know, expectations of what's possible. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was great. I think that's what, it's one of the great things about the format as well, though, isn't it? I mean, it, it does, it's kind of a, it's a bit of a leveler in terms of you, you, you've got an hour to do that distance. And, you know, even the people that are doing it in 35, 40 minutes, it doesn't mean they're still going to be still going to be going 50 hours later. And yeah, so it's, it's a really interesting format in that respect. Yeah. I mean, I, I went 59 hours. I, I never won a single loop. So there were always runners, runners ahead of me, but um, you know, but they, apart from Maggie, they, they all dropped out. Um, but yeah, it is definitely a level. It's definitely one that, you know, uh, women can definitely compete, you know, equally to men. And that's been shown, you know, now multiple years there. 
Uh, women have won other events, not, not, not just that one. Katie Wright won the New Zealand uh, event last year. Um, so, uh, uh, and I think that's, you know, the, and so in the quarantine backyard, you saw, you know, like a lot of, you know, fantastic women, you know, Courtney DeWalter, um, Maggie came back, um, uh, Sally McRae, um, you know, really strong women, uh, you know, all, all, you know, taking part in the format because, because it's, uh, it's, you know, it's a really interesting one, I think. Yeah. And I think like, it's good, good, um, opportunity to get into it then in terms of the, the quarantine backyard ultra, um, I, I caught up with um, with you on a, uh, a call a few weeks back, and actually it was the first. And it was uh, uh, you and Andre and Steve, and we. You mentioned I didn't know about it then, but it was it only. And this must have been a month or so ago, or it was. It, they actually only announced it a few weeks before the actual challenge, right? How long before did they um did they start yeah. publicising it? So so at Biggs, I met this guy Dave Proctor, who is a Canadian, you know, running legend. He's got national records for like 24, 48, 72 hours. And he's and he tried to run across Canada a couple of years ago, and he had planned to run across uh, this year, uh, I think next month. Um, and so obviously the virus came, and all of a sudden his he's he's in incredible shape, preparing for his you know, trans Canadian run, uh, and all of a sudden it's you know it's off. So he and his uh, colleagues he he coaches with this this uh, group called Personal Peak uh, in Calgary. And so they were just chatting and they came up with this idea about putting on a backyard, but doing it kind of virtually. Um, and so, uh, so he then contacted a bunch of people that he knew, uh, you know, really good uh, 24 hour runners, uh, uh, you know, just leading trail runners uh, and then people who had experience in backyards. Uh, and so he sent me an, an invitation. And so, yeah, like I said, I, I'm actually not, super fit right now. I, I am just kind of taking a bit, bit of a break. Uh, I sprained my ankle earlier in the year and, you know, still recovering from that. But, um, but when he said, you know, when he invited me to take part, I was like, well, given the quality of other people that he's, you know, inviting, uh, it's, it's pretty hard to turn down. Uh, and obviously, you know, most of us don't have much else to do right now. So yeah, so I thought, well, why not? And then from that, uh, from inviting a few of his kind of friends and people that he knew and, and you know, some really, really top runners, um, he then threw it open and ended up with like two and a half thousand people around the world signing up. So it ended up into this kind of monstrous event. Yeah, that's absolutely crazy. The because uh, I thought it was around fourteen hundred people, but yeah, it was always like two and a half thousand, right? And, I think and it, was, it was always a bit unclear because not everyone was on Zoom. And so, yeah. So the the concept of it was. Um, same distance same like within the hour but for those i mean a lot of people were literally under quarantine couldn't leave their homes there was a lot of people doing it on treadmills there's a few people like running around uh, like their front room or in a or there was a there was a few indoor like running around there was um and there's quite a few people doing loops from their uh, from their their sort of house which was the format that you took on right yeah so the the basic rule was you know, you had to observe, you know, your local, you know, guidelines or laws or rules, whatever. So, you know, if you're locked at home, you have to do it at home. So people, some people were, yeah, literally running around their living room. Uh, some, you know, quite a lot were on treadmill, if they had a treadmill, uh, doing it that way. Um, and then, yeah, in Hong Kong, obviously, we're not locked down, so we can go out. Um, but... Uh, and so I was able to, uh, yeah, leave, leave my home, go out and kind of run around the trails here. Um, but I, I kind of took the view that I thought it was 
probably important to base myself at home just for kind of reasons of hygiene. You know, I didn't really want to be sitting out somewhere, you know, touching tables and having lots of people around and uh, so forth. So, yeah, so I started and, and finished. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure wife and kids would, would uh, agree with you, like keeping it hygienic at home, sweaty well, mess we did, walking in every hour. Yeah, yeah, did the, did the best we could. Um, so I was, yeah, so we're, we're on the second floor here. So basically my loop would start. I'd walk down two flights of stairs, leave, leave the building, uh, walk along the street and then go up a flight of 350 stairs up to Bowen Road, which is a well-known running path here in Hong Kong. And then I do my six Ks. Which is where they did the, uh, it's where Steve had organized the, um, yes. the big boars backyard, right? That's right. That's right. So then I do my six Ks up there and then come back down the stairs, back along the road, back up my two flights of stairs uh, and come back to my lounge. And I ha- so I had an hour to do that. Generally it took me about 48 minutes, 48, 49, 49 minutes. There you go. And um, I've, uh, so, so Steve actually came out and he was like following you a bit and did a few, few recordings, did a cool like uh, Vimeo video and, uh, and I was following you on it. I was following the Zoom as well. But I saw one where he just followed you down the steps. And it was a, it was a, it's a hefty little climb up to Bowen Road for you there, isn't it? What's the like, total elevation? It was like 50, 60 metres? Yeah, I think it's about 60 metres. It it's t- took about five minutes. And, you know, I was, I was obviously trying to go, you know, at, a, at an easy pace that, that I could maintain. Um, so, you know, you, you can definitely split, sprint up a bit quicker. But, um, yeah, so I... I didn't really know how that was. I, I, I tried it a few times and felt like it was sustainable, but I obviously only tried it for like two or three laps at a time. I, I didn't really try, you know, an extended period. So I didn't know how it was going to feel after 10, 12, 18 hours. Um, but yeah, but it was, it, it added a little bit of spice to the, uh, to the loop, you know, made it a bit more challenging. Uh, so yeah, it was good. A bit of spice. Yeah. Um, and um because actually on the, uh, on the Biggs backyard, there's a decent amount of elevation on that loop, right? Obviously, it changes halfway through. So during daytime, you actually go through on trail through the woods. And then in, uh, when it goes to nighttime, you're, you go on a road loop. That's right. Yeah. I mean, according to Strava, on his day loop, there's about 150 meters elevation. So it's Is actually... right? Now, now, I'm not sure that might be overestimating it a little bit, but it is... The whole, he, his house, because you're running around his backyard, he kind of has this, uh, this small farm, which is basically, you know, uh, it's like a woods. And uh, it is, the whole thing is like rolling. So you, the whole way you're going up and down, up and down, up and down. There's no massive climbs, but um, yeah, across the 6.7 Ks. Um, uh, yeah, it's probably about 30 meters a K. So that, you know, that's about, you know, probably works out right. It's also very twisty and turny. It's quite a tight trail. There's lots of rocks. There's lots of tree roots. So it's definitely not easy running. Um, and then at nighttime, you go on the roads outside his house, and that's still a little bit hilly. That's about 100 meters. You kind of go down a hill, uh, kind of along, and then up to a turnaround, and then you come back and do the same thing. So there's, there's a couple of decent hills uh, uh, in that night course as well. So the night course is easier, um, but, uh, but yeah, still, still a bit challenging. Okay, so how did, um, sorry, sorry, Scott. No, well, how, how did how did um, how did doing it in quarantine compare? I mean, the fact that presumably there's no one, you know, you're not running alongside or even near anyone else, um, and then you're coming back and, and having to get yourself going again from the comfort of your living room. Was there a, a greater temptation just to to call it quits? I think so. I think there was. I think I think it was easier to quit. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't have to justify that to anyone except for my wife and my you know family. Um, uh, I quite enjoyed, so we started here at 9 p.m. 
and uh, on Saturday night. And, you know, Bowen Road is quite a, uh, it's quite a popular jogging path, walking path. Um, but by the time, you know, by 11 o'clock, there was no one else there. And then I had it all to myself pretty much till like five in the morning. So I actually really enjoyed that. I quite enjoyed the solo you know, aspect to it, especially living in a place like Hong Kong, when you, whenever you, yeah. you can get it by yourself, it's always uh, uh, a bit special. Um, but yeah, not having competitors around. I mean, that's the great thing about Big's Backyard you're in Tennessee. You're doing these loops with the same people and you're running about the same pace. So you're seeing the same people every loop. You know, you end up having great conversations, really get to know people. And then you kind of develop these links so that as it goes deeper and deeper, you're kind of, it's this weird sensation where you kind of want the people to keep running with you to kind of give you support. But then you also want them to drop out so that, you know, because if they drop out, you know, you're obviously doing a bit better. Um, so it's quite an, yeah, it's a dynamic that keeps you kind of plugged in. Whereas here, you know, it was running by myself. So, you know, we, we were seeing each other on the Zoom feed at the end of every loop. Um, but still, um, yeah, it, it does your head in a little bit. Uh, if you're just running by yourself, kind of loop after loop after loop. Yeah. I mean, I, I have this, I have this theory that this, this quarantine that half the world in at the moment is, is a bit like a giant version of a backyard ultra in that, you know, not, none of us know how long it's going to go on for every day is sort of bleeding into the next. Yes. Um, and you've just got to, you've just got to get up and start over. So I'm really interested in, you know, it's, it's just not like a lot of, a lot of ultra running where the focus is so much on the finish. I guess with these backyards, it's, it, it's really all about the start. It's just, you've just got to get going again and again and again. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm really I mean, interested. I mean, how do you, how do you tackle that mentally? Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, the uncertainty is very challenging. I think uncertainty is challenging for people generally. It's one of the most challenging things about the current situation that none of us know, you know, when are we going to be, you know, when things back to normal, whatever that means. Uh, and because we don't know, um, you know, people find that very stressful. It's like when you have, you know, some question that you're grappling with in your life and, and you know, you can feel a lot of stress because you don't know which option to take. And often once you decide to take one option, okay, I'll do this one. Um, uh, you feel like that, that removes a lot of the stress, even though maybe actually this option is not the best one. But yeah. once you decide on something, you have certainty, you can kind of, you know, it, it makes it a lot easier. So I think that's one of the really challenging things about, you know, about the, the COVID situation. And yeah, similarly, yeah, with the backyard, absolutely. The thing that a lot of people struggle with is not knowing how long it's going to last. And that gets in people's heads and then they end up dropping before they need to. Um, you know, Les says, you know, he, he reckons if, uh, you know, like last year, if, if everyone knew that the race was going 60 hours, there's probably seven or eight people that could have gone 60 hours, but because people didn't know how far it was going, they drop out. And definitely with me, there were, there were much better runners than me sitting on the sidelines, looking at me still, you know, getting my skinny body up and, you know, kind of stiffly getting around the course. And they were thinking, oh, that should be like, I should still be there. Like, you know. I had no idea this guy was going to go this long. So, uh, so yeah. So, so dealing with that uncertainty is 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 a really challenging part of the of the uh, uh, of the event. The way that I dealt with it was quite different because I wasn't going there to win it. Um, my mantra was always just to go as long as I could and really just focus on my own experience and try and push myself and not really care what other other people look like. So the whole way through, the other runners looked much better than me, and for a lot of other runners who were comparing themselves, oh, am I looking as good as Dave? Am I looking as good as Maggie? They'd go, oh, Dave looks great. 
well, he's better than me, so, I'll, so I'm not going to win, so I'll drop out now. Whereas even though Dave and Maggie looked much better than me, I wasn't really, I didn't care about it. I just kept going and uh, ended up, you know, uh, uh, Dave ended up having, having a problem. I managed to run, run past him. Uh, in the end, Maggie was the one who got me. But uh, so, yeah, so by just focusing on my own experience and trying to push myself uh, as far as I could, um, then that's kind of how I just ended up going as far as I did. I mean, I, the I other... What was what was your kind of self talk as you were coming into the corral at the end of each loop? Are you are you telling yourself certain things to kind of get yourself back out there, or are you just just focused on a, a routine when you come through? Yeah, I mean, the kind of funny story about it was uh, I really decided. Um, so in the big bores, I felt terrible, wanted to stop, but when I did stop, I felt like oh, actually, I could have kept going. Like you know, as I'm sitting here, yeah, I could have done another loop or two. So. I decided at Biggs, I wanted to explore that. So go past the point that I felt I wanted to stop. So I made the mistake of, I, I had some friends who were crewing me and uh, I made the mistake of saying to them, you know, don't let me stop, make me keep going. And I got to 30, 36 hours, which was the end of the second day, about to switch onto the road. And the first night I found the road incredibly boring. It's like three turns, it's through farm country. There's nothing to see. It's hard on the body. You know, by you know, after 36 hours, you run 150 miles. Your legs are pretty, pretty sore. So I was, I said, look, I'm going to drop here. Like, you know, these these other guys look much better than me. Uh, that's that's far enough. But my crew didn't let me. They said, no, no, you told us you were going to keep going. So, uh, so I ended up uh, having wanted to quit at 36. I ended up going for another 24 hours. Uh, and but that was, yeah, that was a mixture of me, but it was also very much my crew you know, uh, telling me to keep going and me kind of giving myself over to them saying, oh, well, if they want me to keep going, you know, uh, I better not let them down. So yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so just, uh, keep pushing. Did you go into it with a, a set time? I mean, it sounds like when you did uh, the, the big boards, it was like, I just want to get to the miler 24 hours, keep myself fresh for H1. When going into, uh, to the bigs, were you, um, did you say, 36 hours that's uh, you know that would be a good showing um or was yeah, so, it i mean it sounds like you just said that just do your best like just keep on going yeah so i told everyone i don't have a target in mind and i tried really hard not to have a target in mind but as i got there i realized that i did and that was 36 hours that i kind of thought you know if i do 36 hours it's 150 miles you know i can go all my friends will think hey, that's pretty good like can hold my head high um and so, uh, uh, yeah, so, so without meaning to, I discovered that actually was kind of a, a significant, you know, boundary for me. And so pushing through that was difficult and required, yeah, required intervention for my crew. If, if I'd been self-crewed, I'm pretty sure I would have dropped at that point. Um, but my crew managed to keep me going. Uh, I mean, the other funny thing was they, having kept me going, uh, they had a camp up and they were pretty sure that, okay, well, we've kept him going for a couple of hours, but he's bound to stop at some point and we don't want to take down the camp in the middle of the night. So they completely took down the camp without telling me. And then I kept running all night and like even the next day. So they ended up kind of like sheltering under this big marquee all night rather, rather than having the nice tent because they figured he'll drop about midnight and then we can all go to a hotel somewhere, you know, have a shower and get a good, good night's sleep. But instead, of, you know, I just kept running. 
And do you, do you think the fact that you just blew past any expectations you might have previously had is now, has that made it hard for you if you were to go back and do an event like this in future? And that it, now you kind of know you've got this benchmark and you, you'd have to push on past 60 to beat it. Is that, does that weigh on you or are you, are you kind of done with that sort of event anyway? And I suppose, like, how did that, leading into the quarantine one then, was it the same scenario? Did you think, if I can, if I can do that, that, that many hours, can I do it running out my front, um, front room? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, uh, I don't think I feel too encumbered by, you know, my uh, uh, having done. I mean, I, f- I feel like in all likelihood, I'm never going to run that far again. Uh, it was probably like a once in a lifetime, you know, all the stars aligned. Uh, but, but of course, don't know. Um, for the quarantine, um, so first of all, I definitely wasn't as fit as I was. I was like in the form of my life in October. And then since then... You know, I haven't really strung a couple of good weeks together, you know, uh, in the last six months. So um, so I felt like, okay, I'm not in as good a shape. I kind of intentionally put in this much harder loop than most other people were doing. So a lot of people were just doing a flat treadmill or were doing a really flat, you know, loop around the block or something. And I was like climbing, you know, all these steps uh, every hour. So I figured, yeah, well, that'll make it more difficult as well. Um, and uh, so... Uh, so no, so I wasn't too focused on how far I went. The, the thing is too, the quarantine, it was a great uh, event for, and the, the guys at Personal Peak just did absolutely phenomenal job to put this thing together in two weeks and bring like thousands of people from around the world together. Um, but at the same time, it was kind of impossible to verify. I mean, who knows how far people were actually running? Like, you know, uh, the final night I, I was running just down to my street. I, I basically gave up the steps after 20 hours. And then the last eight hours, I was just running loops up and down my little stretch of road. If I did like 10, 10 laps of the road, then that was my 6.7 Ks. And, uh, you know, there's, there was a taxi on the street. I was pretty tempted just to jump in and say, hey, can you just drive, drive up and down you know, slowly while I keep my uh, Strava, Strava going? So, uh, and look, the reality is, you know, the, the, there was no way of verifying with the, the two and a half. The only one you're before. cheating is yourself, though. The only one you're yeah, cheating no, is yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, but because of that, uh, I, I was kind of a little bit reluctant to really push hard, kind of, you know, put yourself out there because who really knew what was going to happen at the end? And of course, the end was a little bit controversial. Uh, and so uh, where, yeah, so there were, there were two runners at the end. They'd been going for a long time. And uh, Radek Brunner, who's this fantastic Czech 24-hour runner, was doing it on his treadmill. And... Uh, he had a bit of a time imbalance between his computer and his laptop. And so he was standing on his treadmill waiting to go. His, his, uh, his uh, tablet was saying that he still had about a minute to go, but actually the clock had started. And because he was just standing there, they ended up disqualifying him because the rule is you have to start on the bell. Uh, otherwise you could artificially lengthen the break that you have. And part of the challenge is around not really having a long break, having to deal with, these very short breaks between loops. So, so the rule is like a real rule, but you know, it's quite unfortunate the way that it happened. Uh, and you know, um, uh, I mean, you know, it's certainly uh, a valid ruling, but but quite harsh to to Reddick. So I just, you know, I didn't want to put myself in that kind of position where who knew how what was yeah. going to be happening towards the end. Um, it was clearly quite emotional. I saw the guy. I, I don't know his name. The guy from from uh, Personal Peak was in tears when he had to announce the. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it was, it was terrible. Just situation. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, 
the you you stuck it out for um for 20 hours though change route and your how was your support crew at home how was uh sasha and the kids were they uh did yeah, they so get they to were, the point where they were like they were, okay were, we want to just get some sleep now come on <laughs> uh, no they were they were great they, were, they, were, they actually wanted me to keep going uh and they were quite happy to do that even though literally every hour overnight i was coming in i'd come in the dog would start barking and then I put on the computer and uh, and uh, <laughs> right on cue. <laughs> uh, and then I'd, I'd put on the computer and all the people talking would you know make lots of noise. But no, um, Sasha and the kids were great, uh, very supportive. Um, part of the reason to finish at twenty eight was so we started nine pm on Saturday, and uh, they were doing quarantine because they'd been in New Zealand and come back two weeks previous, and they broke quarantine. Uh, like the quarantine finished on the Sunday night at midnight. So I figured, okay, if I can keep running till Sunday night at midnight, then as I leave on that loop, they can all come down and, you know, for the first time in two weeks, kind of run around outside because they've been stuck in the apartment, you know, for the, for, for the two weeks previous. So, uh, so was pretty focused on, you know, trying to get to 24 and then trying to get to 28, got to 28, was feeling pretty tired, um, was just running around, you know, my little street here, which is pretty, pretty boring. And uh, so then they came down and we all did a few loops. And then my daughter actually ran like the whole like 6.7 Ks with me that loop. And so I kind of figured, you know, that's a pretty good place to stop. Like, I mean, I could keep going another few loops, but you know, I think, uh, I think that one's probably significant. So yeah, so then 1am Monday morning, uh, I thought 28 hours, that'll, that'll do for now. Beautiful. Yeah, we, we had another, um, representation from from APAC as well and uh and also uh Hong Kong Four Trails uh alumni Stephen Redfern was uh was running out of his um his garage in uh in Australia um he ended up doing 24 I was like watching on on the um on the zoom link and uh you two were on on two different zooms you were obviously with the with the elite crew and um I think Stephen was in like the second or second or third one but he like he just looked unbelievably fresh i mean you look yeah, you sure. look fresh as well but i mean <laughs> I, um but yeah he was i was just like he looks like he's gonna go over. and just as soon as i said that he pulled out i think he got to the minor he's like actually that that would that would do for me um but he uh he came back this past weekend over over easter weekend and uh just did some absolute craziness didn't he yeah yeah so his uh doing uh four days 90 k's a day all within his garage uh you know like it's a three-car garage so i think he had about 30 meters uh, on each side but crazy may what like the, the, you cut from different cloth um yeah yourself and him i don't um, um i don't know whether it's an antipodean thing as well but um but yeah like truly impressive did four days of like 90 90 k a day for for four days um, and so, like that, that begs the question for you, Will. What's uh, what what's next now? I mean, there's not much so races I, going on, but you don't. You, yeah. you strike me as a guy that doesn't need a race to to think up or or to take on a crazy challenge. Well, like I said, I'm, I'm you know uh, trying to take it easy for the next you know couple of months. Um, doing, I've I've always been bad about doing strength and conditioning, and I've uh, I'm with Joint Dynamics, uh, the, the Joint Dynamics gone running team here, so. Uh, they do. They have a really great uh, setup, and uh, so I've been really enjoying getting into that. Um, uh, so, are, they, is, are uh, yeah. they still able to do like in-person training at the moment? No. So, so now, I mean, we were doing that, and then now uh, we've just moved to it's all virtual. So 
there's a, there's actually a great app that Joint Dynamics have um, that actually anyone can you know sign up to, um, and yeah, it's like personalized training you know in your home. Uh, they kind of monitor how how how, how you're doing. Uh, so yeah, so that's been that's been really fantastic uh, to kind of try and keep in shape. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm entered into bigs again this year. Um, the uh, Les lets the top two from the last three years into the uh, into the race, um, and so you know, I mean, Les is a pretty, he's a pretty special guy. He runs some special events, and anytime he just kind of tells you that you, you know you, you, that you got a place, I think uh, it's a bit hard to turn down. Um, obviously, not sure that I'm actually going to get there this year. Uh, who knows what our travel arrangements will be later in the year? It's, it's far enough away that don't, don't have to worry about it, you know, just right now. Um, so I'd love to get there. I mean, it's, it's an all-star crew that he's got coming back. Camille Heron's going, Courtney DeWalt's going, Maggie Goodall's going, Johan Steen, who's like run the furthest ever, is going, um, Guillaume Comet and Harvey Lewis are going. So it's, yeah, it's just an absolutely incredible, you know. Does, uh, it, does Mike Mordian get, get a golden ticket as well? Well, so uh, so Maggie Goodall had been telling Mike Wardian for five years he should try this format because it's perfectly suited to him. And obviously, you know, all, all his races have been cancelled too. So the quarantine was a great chance for him to uh, try that. And obviously he took to it because he won the whole thing. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I've heard that he's kind of interested in maybe, you know, exploring it a little bit, little bit further. Um, uh, Les does have some at-large places, so... As with all of Les's events, it's it's up to him really who he lets in. Um, a lot of the places now for bigs do go to the winners of the golden ticket races, but there are some uh, general places, particularly for people that have run long distances of backyards but haven't won. So uh, yeah, so it's up to Les, but I certainly wouldn't be surprised to see see Mike uh, show up. Yeah, or, or for certain backyard ultras that don't have golden tickets, they'll, they'll like pick a few yeah. people from, the, yeah. from those other events, right? I yeah. think I, I was reading that it's based upon region to get an even spread from, from, from across the world. Um, yeah, we've, we've, we're scheduled to have uh, Jerry Chua is organising the, uh, the first one for Singapore. It's scheduled for June. We'll see how we go. So we, uh, it's hard. Yeah. maybe that is a bit too, too soon to call. Um, I did see as well. Um, there was a there was a picture of a Zoom call going on, organised by Andre Bloomberg for uh, the reunion for the Hong Kong Four Trails, and I, I seem to have seen your uh, your mug shot in the uh, in in the middle of that uh, that uh, illustrious crew of people. Yes, yes, I foolishly uh, have uh, put into and been accepted to go back to Four Trails to the family reuni- reunion. Um, so I've tried it. So I, uh, two years ago, I, uh, uh, survived uh, with Abby. That was Abby's first go. He's obviously moved up to, uh, better and greater things since now that he's a finisher. Uh, so he's, he's a real inspiration. Uh, and so this year I had a go and, uh, I'd sprained my ankle about six weeks prior and, uh, um, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was okay, but, I ended up affecting my gait, and then uh, I ended up with another, with another lean. So about halfway through, I couldn't really stand up properly, and and everything started to go to custard. So, so pulled the plate there. But interestingly, you know, I'm kind of drawn to challenges that, you know, are real challenges, the things that you know you may or may not be able to to uh, complete. And actually, 
not completing four trials made me more motivated to go back and, you know, cause it, it's kind of worth my time. So, uh, so yeah, so, so I'm going to go back and yeah, would love to go under 60 hours. Not, you know, not sure how realistic that is, but, uh, that's de- definitely the aim for fe- February next year. Yeah, I mean, we, we went back, a small crew of us, uh, Habiba um, and, uh, and Milos, yourself and I, and um, to kind of finish off the, what, what we didn't finish off in the four trials. And my God, like the last 30K is absolutely yeah. brutal. And then we had like, brutal I mean, ah, oh, just in, the, in that heat, it's um, section five of the... Uh, of uh, of Lantau is uh, and then going in to then do do Lantau Peak and Sunset, um, but uh, but yeah, I'm I'm excited to um, to to watch that that go ahead next year because there's a um, there's a plans for a few few people to do a, to do a breaking fifty as well, isn't there? There's a few of the, few of the crazy uh, testosterone filled uh, runners, so we'll see see how that goes. I think it could be some good. Uh, you know, crashing and burning going on as well, but but wouldn't wouldn't put it put it past some of them to to do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, mate, it's um yeah, it's been it's been really good, uh, really good to have a chat. Like, I'm keen to ask a few sort of like kind of kind of closing questions that we often uh, often ask ask people. Um, you seem like a pretty cool, calm, and collected guy, Will. But is there anything that like makes you uh, makes you truly emotional? Makes me emotional. Uh, you know, my kids. Uh, you know, seeing them have their successes definitely is quite emotional. Um, uh, I, don't, I tend to, I mean, my wife, I'm sure, we could uh, tell stories about me getting, you know, a little bit shirty, uh, a little bit grumpy. But uh, I do try, you know, not to get too, too upset about things. And I've, I've actually find running ultras has been really useful for that. You know, one of the things that it really forces you to do is to kind of learn to control, you know, your, your emotional side. And I think that's... Uh, that that works for, for me m- most of the time. Yeah, yeah, and um, and is there any uh, any um, books that you'd recommend that have been like an inspiration to you, or uh, any uh, people or, or books? Yeah, no, it's actually quite funny you ask. I'm actually I, a colleague gave me uh, uh, David Goggins' uh, "Can't Hurt Me," which I'm I'm actually reading right now, and. Uh, you know, I'm not. I mean, I wouldn't say. I mean, I think Goggins is a. He's a little bit testosterone fueled for you know for me. But um, but I do think he does have a pretty compelling story and and his message about you know that a lot of these battles we fight that we think we're fighting against somebody else or something, but actually we you know we're just fighting ourselves and it's all in our mind and and that we can really achieve a lot more than we you know than these limits we we put on ourselves. I think it is quite a compelling message and 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 uh, one that I yeah I I really feel like. You know, with with the kind of backyard experience, it's exactly that. It's you, know, you set these limits for yourself, but actually, you know, you can you know, you you can push past them and, and then achieve much more than you kind of dream possible. Yeah, I, I highly uh, highly recommend the um, the audio book of it as well to to go back for a second second round. The the kind of listening to they do like little interviews him and the narrator at the end of each chapter and they sort of talk about the story behind the story and it's uh, yeah. my god that guy's mental um any uh, any any kit that um for under 100 bucks uh will go 100 us rather than hong kong dollars there's not much you can get for 100 hong kong dollars but uh, any kit you highly recommend yeah, I mean, a lot of the things, I mean, in, in the earlier episodes, a lot of people have touched on the important things. I think, I think one thing that I really like, I've got a, uh, an icebreaker beanie that I picked up in New Zealand at a, some sale. I think it was about 30 New Zealand dollars. 
Um, it's really thin, but you know, it's, it's icebreaker, so it's merino. And that thing, you know, you can just slip it into, into a pocket of, of your jacket. You don't, don't even know it's there. But that saved me, you know, many more times than I can count, you know. And, for example, on Fort Trails this year, that first night, it was pouring with rain and absolutely freezing. And, you know, this tiny little beanie stuck it on my head, and all of a sudden, I feel like 10 degrees warmer. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's definitely been a great piece of kit. There you go. Merino stuff's great. Like base layer keeps you, uh, even when you're wet, keeps you warm. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a great recommendation. Um, and then lastly, like what, like proudest moment, mate, what's like both, both, I suppose, like personally and, uh, and in running and, or professionally, what have been, uh, what have been some of your little proudest moments? Uh, I mean, definitely, you know, running wise, it would have to be bigs. Um, kissing the post box as a survivor of four trails be a pretty close second. Um, but yeah, just to go, to go as far as I did and, you know, meet some amazing people. Um, and then, you know, the quarantine to be on the same zoom screen, you know, it was, you know, it was Courtney and, you know, most of the men's U S 24 hour running team and, you know, Jamil Curry and Mike Wardian. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, uh, that was obviously pretty, you know, pretty, pretty special experience for kind of an old slow guy like me. Um, yeah, it's a, we like the the slogan like the our, our strap line of endurance Asia is ordinary people, extraordinary feats, and uh, and not that I'm saying you're ordinary, well, but like um, <laughs> but I mean to be able to rub shoulders with uh, with with that kind of crowd is uh, yeah, it's truly well deserved. But it's still like it's still it's amazing, mate. It's amazing, um, and yeah, mate. Any any kind of closing remarks? I mean, I suppose um, just uh, around people that i suppose the the backyard ultra is definitely it's it's a movement now and they're they're popping up all over the place so um i suppose on that what would be your sort of um like key bit of advice you'd give to anyone that was uh that was planning to um to to sign up to a backyard ultra once we can eventually get out and join one yeah i mean it's definitely it's a great event to just experience i mean i feel like you're very much like a kind of a, an accidental you know uh champion of the backyard because it's not something i really intended to do at all uh you know i really consider my the thing i love to do is get up into the mountains and you know climb some huge peak and then you know get really tired and then look up that next peak and think how the hell am i going to get up there but then you know struggle up anyway and then feel that sense of accomplishment when you do so uh the idea of going around and around a loops is definitely not what I thought I'd be doing with with, with my running, but uh, but it's a really you know I, I've really enjoyed in the running getting more into the mental side of it, and I think that's what is really interesting to explore in the backyard. So even with the quarantine, you know, backyard, I'm running these little loops by myself. You know, I never listened to music. Uh, you know, didn't uh, I didn't see many people. You know, didn't, wasn't chatting to many people. It was just in my own mind for you know 28 hours, but. Uh, but yeah, found that you know a great experience, um, and so uh, you know I think I think it's a really great kind of thing to explore, even if you think that's not why you got into running, and that's not what you know you're going to be motivated by. You know, you, as, as I said before, with the backyard format, you know you enter, you do a few loops, and if you, if you don't like it, you just pack up and go home. There's no like you're not on an aid station in the middle of nowhere, you know, having to hike out you know 10k's to the nearest uh, you know, bus station. I mean, wherever you are, it's just the start finish line. So, uh, so it's really convenient as a place to just kind of try, see how you go. But what tends to happen is that people, you know, come to do a few loops and then end up doing a few more. And the other great thing about it is it's for all levels. You know, there's people that do the backyard that, 
uh, have maybe done a 10K, haven't done anything more. So if they do two loops, you know, that's maybe further than they've ever run before. Um, and then, you know, it's kind of a party atmosphere at the start-finish line. You can hang around, see lots of people. So you definitely don't have to do it because you want to run 24, 36, you know, whatever hours. You can do it for three, five, uh, and yeah, have, have a great experience. So it really depends on, you know, what your level of running is. Uh, you can get a lot out of it. Yeah, cool. Um, it's uh, it's definitely something that um, that I'm interested in uh, in, in tackling at, at some time. And uh, and yeah, I've like uh, taken a lot of inspiration from you as well, mate. I'm a uh, um, and yeah, look forward to um, to to seeing you uh, finish the four trails next year as well. I think uh, I, I'm looking forward to to, to spectating that. But um, Will, mate, pleasure to pleasure to have you on. Look forward to getting out for a run with you as well once we can uh, eventually get back up to Hong Kong. And uh, um, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, hey, look, great chatting to you guys. Uh, and yeah, thanks again. Thanks for the podcast. It's a great great thing to listen to on the way to work or on a run. So uh, keep up the good work. Good man. Nice one. Cheers, Will. Cheers, Rick. It's like the truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. Rick Stockfish, how are you, sir? Yeah, good, Scott. How you doing, mate? I am not bad. Not bad. We're um, yeah. What what do you think of the of the catch up with Mister Mister Hayward? Yeah, I loved it. Just uh, love his his utter insanity, and uh, but also just that you know methodical way he tackles his, his projects. Um, yeah, really inspiring. Yeah, I was just asking him at the end, sort of his uh, his proudest uh, proudest moments, and. To be on that Zoom call doing the quarantine backyard with all of those, you know, Courtney DeWater, Mike Wardy, and all these just unbelievable world-renowned trail runners, it must have been um, it must have been a pretty crazy feeling for him. Yeah, 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 sure, but well deserved, you know, after his performance last year. Yeah, and I think I think what we say on there is just about like a, such a leveler with um, with the backyard ultra format. Because I mean, he's the first to admit, like he's not, uh, he's never normally at the like pointy end of um, of ultras, but he's just got the mental side just tapped, you know, he's dialed in completely, isn't he? He's um, he's that, that's definitely um his uh, his forte. Yeah, absolutely. and uh, yeah, great to see his, his uh, the approach he takes to tackling all of these challenges. Um, you know, the fact that he wasn't afraid to make this the, the quarantine one a little bit harder for himself with all those stairs and and bow out when he was ready. Um, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it was a nice nice moment to finish on, I thought, as well. Just uh, his family having been in their own quarantine for two weeks, uh, having flown back from New Zealand. And he uh, his, uh, his daughter came out and ran the last 6.7K with him before he... Uh, before he decided to to call it a, call it a day or a, or a evening, but yeah, there's been um there's, there's been quite a few more uh, like challenges going on that people without races are they're still getting after it. I'm uh, I'm feeling pretty um pretty lazy and demotivated, but then you see people like this past weekend, Chang, who was uh, the final finisher of the four trails this year, got out and just absolutely smashed it on Lantau. Yeah, doing the, uh, what was it, the Translanto 100, back-to-back with Antel 70. 9,000, so 9,000 metres gain, unbelievable. Yeah, it's, um, and honestly, like, they are the, probably the two hardest um, ultras in Hong Kong. I've, I've never done the 100 of Translanto, I've done the 50 a couple of times, and it's, uh, it's got a hell of a lot of elevation in there. 
it's also around this time of it's around like April time. But the the Lantau Seventy is also renowned as being one of the toughest ultras. It's got a high DNF rate. But to do both of them back to back in what seemed to be like crazy heat in Hong Kong this past weekend. When you've really, when it's not a race, no one's watching, no one's really following. Uh, at any point, you could go, ah, no, do you know what? This is a bit too much. I'm just going to go home and uh, and chill out. No, no one would question it, and no one would know. But my God, there must have been a few dark moments there. I think he said that he was planning to do it in 28 hours, and um, and ended up doing it in 38 hours, which shows that he must have gone deep into the pain cave on uh, on quite a few occasions. Yeah, I mean, he's not someone who, you know, he knows Lantau pretty well already. So to, to get your time estimate out by that wrong, it was must have been a lot hotter and a lot tougher than even he'd estimated. But yeah, to, uh, to push on through, as you said, he could have just walked away and not, no one would have been any the wiser. Um, yeah, really amazing achievement. Yeah, another amazing example of mental uh, mental fortitude. Um, and obviously, uh, just a few weeks ago, we had um, Mayank, who did the Everest Everest Man. And so we're actually going to get have him on the podcast in a couple of weeks to talk about that. Um, but there has been um, there has been an announcement since um, since he did that. Right? There's a there's a race coming up in Hong Kong, uh, an Everesting race. Is it a race or is it? Well, just I, like think a- I, think I think they're saying it's not a race, but it's Hong Kong, so it's it's hard to imagine people won't race it. But uh, yeah, they're using I think what is it, Lantau Peak. Um, with the idea that you can do multiple reps, either to get all the way up to Everest or, um, you know, or some shorter peaks. But, uh, uh, I think they say starting from Nong Ping, right, and it's uh, and then going up to the summit of Lantau Peak and and back down again. Well, we know what we know what that climb is like, even just doing it once. So. Yeah, in fact, I saw that that was the one. Um, yeah, Solomon Westing did a, a few weeks back. Actually, he did he did quite a few repeats on there, getting up to around four and a half thousand meters. So, I must have inspired someone to pull together a, a, a bit of a, a bit of a race for it. I've like been just struggling to to like motivate myself to train. I went out to like run a marathon the other day. I was like, oh, okay, let's just see. I, I never run a marathon before on road, and I was like, well, I've done it in training, but I was like, oh, I'll go and seeing if I can do like a 330, 345 in, uh, in Singapore. I think like if I was to really train for it, I'd be aiming for like a three hour or 310. And, um, and yeah, went out in the morning and knocked off the first half in an hour and 40 minutes and then just hit the wall in the Singapore heat and realised how out of shape I am. <laughs> like, God, you lose it pretty quickly, don't you? Um, as you're finding as well, I think like it's been a while with your um, with your PF. Um, yeah, it must be yeah, getting frustrating. Uh, anyone with any tips for relieving plant shitus gratefully received. But yeah, making some progress in the shop. I think shitus should be the operative word in, <laughs> in that. It's fucking frustrating, isn't it? Yeah, really frustrating. Um, and that, yeah, one step forward, three steps back. But yeah, we'll get there. And I think you know with with kind of everyone's travel plans kind of up in the air or, or out of the window for the foreseeable future. Maybe when the, uh, maybe when the circuit breaker gets lifted here a bit, we can, we can put on our own sort of event to uh, inspire a few people to get out. I think right now it's a little bit tricky, isn't it? Cause we're, we're not supposed to really be going anywhere um, to exercise that, that we can't access on our own two feet. Um, but yeah, as, as things loosen up a bit, which hopefully they will over the next, next few weeks and months, um, might be time for a, Singapore-based challenge of our own. 
Yeah, I was just looking at what's in the diary, and you've got the um, the for, uh, Forest Force Fifty, um, which is coming up in July, actually. So the um, the Volvic um, Force Marathon, or um, that's been pushed back to later in the year, but the Forest Force Fifty is still going ahead in Singapore. I think that would be fine to go in July. So. Yeah, I think we might have to go down and um, join them for that. That's at least the next kind of race in the calendar because I know that um, Jerry's um, uh, uh, beach um, backyard ultra is also being being pushed back as well. Um, so that seems like the next proper race that we'd uh, we'll be able to get get to yeah. without having to get get on a flight. Interesting to see how they have to adapt it to you know, social distancing or whatever else, whether you'll have to just have waves of starters rather than everyone kind of gathered at the start together, what they do about aid stations, but hopefully they can pull something off. That staggered start would be weird though, to be honest. I'm just trying to think about it. I mean, like they, they should probably do it on like the expected times and just send off groups of 10 together on what, what they plan to be. Because if it's too staggered, then it's really difficult to know where you are in the race. Like yeah. there's quite a few bits on those races with a couple of out and backs, and then you know how far behind you are of the next person. And so to have a race where it's staggered, I think is going to be quite challenging to be a race, right? It's um, yeah, it's difficult to know like when you need to push or um, so it'll be interesting how, how they do that. Yeah. Let's wait and see, but um, hopefully some version of normality starts to reemerge. June, July, almost. Yeah, like uh, talking of uh, of Singapore, um, we've had um, uh, we had T eight of uh, of done a, a limited edition Singapore trucker hat, which um, which yeah, there's uh, Alvin um, Alvin Pung and and Alex Ang. They sort of asked asked us for some uh, some pointers on the design on it, but it looks really cool. Um, there's a uh, there's a limited stock available at, um, at Red Dot Running, and uh, yeah, I recommend uh, checking those out. Jerry's stores um, stores selling them. I've always been a been a visor man. I'm like a two XU visor, um, but um, yeah, actually the uh, the the truck hats are really good. I thought they were like yeah, they, they work well. It's good. I thought they'd be like too hot as a cat, but um, but uh, no, they're a, they're a winner. Um, recommend checking yeah just to uh, go back to the previous guest and, and apparel i saw um i saw noah from purpose posted something yesterday saying that he signed up that guy zach bitter who's uh i'm probably gonna get this wrong but he's what the, the, the 100 mile or 100 mile 100 mile world record holder on the track i think and he's going to go for a 100 mile treadmill record uh wearing purpose gear which is uh that's quite a coup to get that's amazing international athlete it's great yeah, I didn't. I didn't see that. That's fantastic news. Yeah, that's a, that's amazing. Great news, and and that's sort of fitting into his plans of an international and global expansion, right? Rather than just being Asia, while still supporting the Asian athletes. Yeah, very cool. Well, look, talking of Asian athletes, I'm looking forward to getting Mayak on in um, in uh, in a couple of weeks. Like, I'm just fascinated about this Everesting man doing uh, doing the nine thousand meter swim plus um, uh, plus the the everything on the bike and then on foot um crazy that's going to be a, a an interesting story to share so, yeah. a new benchmark isn't it i'm sure it's got your uh, creative juices flowing for what your next challenge might be i don't know mate i'd need to um yeah i don't have need, need to learn to swim well, what i'm really keen to do is um <laughs> is, is organize the um uh 
the Durance Asia Adventure Challenge in Singapore. Yeah. And I'd like to, uh, I mean, obviously we would, uh, we would be organisers, but just going out and planning that route, if we can still sort of work towards getting that um, later on in the summer, like August, August to September, um, going and, and mapping out that route and doing a bit of, uh, bit of sort of race directing, um, even though it will be a, um, a fat-ass challenge, I think that will be, um, be pretty cool to organise. Yeah, and maybe, maybe fat-ass is going to be the way to go for a while people doing it self-supported without without aid stations and so on it might be uh maybe the only kinds of events we can do for a while yeah yeah good stuff mate well look i um uh yeah let's uh we're looking forward to get my ink on and uh, uh he'll be on on next week and um yeah, yeah. it's uh it, um it was good to good to chat with will and we've got um we've got a few more uh a few more lined up over the next few weeks i know that we're pretty we're pretty crazily busy at work even though we are trying to juggle trying to juggle work from home and parenting and homeschooling and all that uh it's pretty tough but um yeah it's i'm still like those short runs that i get out from my home are like the one bit of sanity that i manage to sort of maintain in my uh, in my week as i'm sure yeah, it's, it's all, all endurance isn't it Absolutely. and that and to close like that analogy you use with um when we're chatting to to will just around the never really knowing when this is going to end like you've got kind of like a a goal in mind like for us it's like first of june yeah. and we've got another four weeks to go but uh you get to that and you never know we could be going for another another month's worth of rounds it's fucking it's a, it's a good analogy and it does feel like that yeah yeah fingers crossed mate Still waiting for that LinkedIn post, mate. Let's uh, yeah, let's look forward to look forward to reading that one. Good stuff. Nice All to catch right. up as always, Rick. Speak soon, mate. Soon. Like the truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining, cause things ain't that bad.